0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another amazing episode of Dissecting History, where we are coming to you from the greatest recording studio in the world, a.k.a. my 2003 Honda Accord. Thank you all for joining me for our sixth episode, six weeks into Dissecting History's first season ever. Uh, I just want to thank everyone for, uh, who's been listening to the podcasts. Uh, we are currently at 95 uh, overall. Uh, listeners for all the podcasts so far, uh, like to make it to a hundred, uh, after this one, I think we can do it. Um, I think five, five, five more listens is, uh, isn't too extreme. Uh, but I just want to thank everyone who's been listening and been uh, following along, uh, these past couple weeks. It's been uh, really cool and I'm really thankful to connect that into Thanksgiving time. Uh, really thankful for that. So, um, today our topic is, uh, the very interesting one, uh, one that was actually made famous in a uh, movie by the same name. Um, this is uh, this is the story of the last emperor of China. Now, the last emperor of China was a guy named Puyi, and he had a very interesting situation uh, in his life when he how he became emperor. So, the thing about uh, China and a lot of other countries was that they would go through dynasties and uh this last dynasty that was in power was uh called the Qin dynasty now um the Qing dynasty uh had been in power for a very long amount of time uh they i believe at one point were the strongest country in the world with the the highest like gdp um i could be wrong about that but i believe they were um i believe that was in the 1820s so they, they 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 were a pretty powerful country in their heyday um, and Puyi was the final emperor, not just in, uh, the, the Qing dynasty, but in the entire history of China, which goes back thousands, uh, of years. Now, um, Puyi was, um, the nephew of the current emperor back in, uh, the late, I believe, uh, 1800s. Uh, that emperor uh, was unfortunately passed away, and at that point, um, Puyi was forced to, uh, pretty much become the emperor. Now, the thing about this was, was that, ah, excuse me, was that he was, um, Puyi was a child, uh, when he became emperor, so this individual, this last, this, the previous emperor, I guess the second to last emperor, if you will, he passes away, and the the most powerful person in the country, you know, under the emperor is a person by the name of the empress dowager. Uh, this is pretty much like the number one, I guess, going to call it wife or spouse of the emperor. Again, this is uh, this is a time in this particular country where you could kind of have like multiple wives when i mean you can that's not saying that's right but in their culture that was the case and this individual the empress dowager her name was sixi uh it's an awesome name by the way um it's spelled c-i-x-i um and she was basically the one in charge interim at least until they get a new emperor so she was the one to determine who would the next emperor be uh she chose um Puyi, who was the nephew of the previous emperor who just passed away. And Puyi was literally just born in 1906 and they put him in front of the emperor's dowager and she's like, yep, that's it. That's him. He is the emperor now. Now this is a small child. I believe he, I actually believe he was instated as the emperor in like, could be wrong, but I believe 1908. So he was about two years old. When he became the emperor. Now I don't know about anybody, but I, when I was two years old, I was drinking apple juice on my couch and watching VeggieTales. So, quite frankly, being the emperor at two is probably a is probably one of the is probably the biggest accomplishment a person can get that early in life. I'd assume that could they could achieve that early in life. So, he I probably didn't even realize, I I believe he even said, he did say in interviews later in his life, yeah, I didn't know, I had no idea what was going on when I became the emperor. I mean, he was a two-year-old, he didn't know any better. However, he was pretty much taken away from his parents and forced to become the emperor of China. Now, at this point, China was kind of on a decline, hence why he was the last emperor of China. Um, They had experienced some issues in the past, uh, one of which being an event known as the Boxer Rebellion, we might talk about that in another podcast later down the line. Um it was basically a group of individuals known as the boxers. Um and they were a martial artist martial arts uh using uh order, I guess you want to call them. And they tried to take China and Empress uh Sixi actually supported them because at this time in world history a lot of European as well as the United States, uh a lot of European countries as well as the United States, uh, because that was a growing nation at the time, um, a lot of these larger countries were kind of coming in China and like taking pieces of it and putting not in terms of literal conquest, but in a thing known as sphere of influence where they basically, th- their uh, United States, for example, and other countries as well, would, uh, would come in to a country that wasn't as strong, i.e. China in this, in this, uh, in this uh, case. And they would kind of just, I mean, as it sounds like they would influence China or any other of these uh, weaker countries and kind of put in their cultures, their ideas, and have more, I guess, dominance over these countries without actually conquering them, if that's a good way of saying it. It's basically manipulation, I guess, but people could obviously see it, including the boxers, and the boxers and Seeksy were not happy with this, and, the Boxers basically just joined China's government and tried to fight off and kick out um, not just people from other nations, but uh, also Christians in general because they really hated them. Um, and the United States, along with a bunch of other countries, it was like a nine, nine like a eight or nine nation alliance that just came in and just completely just had to put a stop to it. And that and this was 1901, I believe. Uh, So China wasn't in the best state after this, and 1906 rules around Puyi's born, 1908, he becomes the emperor. They're not in the best spot. China's not really feeling it in terms of, like, the the military's not feeling too good about their country right now. The people aren't feeling too good, at least most of the, a lot of the people, at least, uh, as you'll soon see, weren't feeling that great about Puyi, especially the fact that he was a two-year-old as their leader. Um, That is... uh, I'm sorry, I wouldn't trust a toddler. I wouldn't trust a person that uh, is still, you know, probably using a height chair to be the leader of my country. That's just me, one man's opinion. But it was clearly not just one man's opinion, because an entire country, or at least the vast majority of that country, was not happy with this. So Puyi becomes the emperor, and the emperor, um, basically the emperor, um, what happens... Uh, at least in China, they have a location, it's still standing today, it was called the Lo- uh, the Forbidden City. The Forbidden City wa- is still standing, it's been kept up, but during the time of the emperors in China, the Forbidden City was only, was basically a city, quote-unquote, very small, if you really think about it, it's a giant palace, and, you know, area around it walled up, and it's where the emperor lived. Now, the only, the they, this is kind of weird to say, but, um, the Emperor was supposed to be the only male in the Forbidden City. So obviously everyone else was a female, and there was the Emperor. However, um, the biggest issue is that there were male servants, uh, they were known as eunuchs and they were allowed in the Forbidden City to live in the Forbidden City. Now you may say, well, wait, you just said that males cannot, um, cannot be in the Forbidden City other than the Emperor. Um, yes, look up eunuch. I'm not going to explain it. I really don't want to explain it. Not too much fun. So if you're really interested, if you haven't already figured it out, look it up. Moving on. So that was the life or the location where they would, the Puyi would be living and he was growing up. in this, you know, Again, he was pretty much being raised by China's leadership. Sixi uh, passes away very briefly after he becomes the emperor. Um, And the people, you know, in in the Forbidden City working in it would basically take care of Puyi. And this is excessive, by the way. This is like he is always... He doesn't have any alone time. He's watched all the time. People open doors for him all the time. People even... They even said they blew his soup when it was hot. Like, that sounds, like, great for, like, you know, (laughs) five minutes. And then you realize how annoying it is. And the problem is this kind of makes a person very, like, you know... I would assume, make a child bratty when they're being just, you know, waited on, you know, all the time. And it did. they did say he became kind of a jerk. Um, he even admitted to himself, so I guess he has some decent self-awareness. that basically, he abused the eunuchs, and he, since he was the emperor, he basically could, he, whatever thing he said went. And again, when you're a small child in complete power, that is a very scary situation. He has said to have, for fun, He's a psychopath, I guess. Um, he, for fun, he basically told the eunuchs, eat dirt. I'm the emperor. Eat dirt. You have to do it. And they did, because it was either that or, you know, <laughs> getting executed, probably. So, yeah, Bui was basically became a little brat uh, when he was a kid. And, you know, he, he they said he flogged, <laughs> you know, basically like whipping, beating up. He, you know, he kind of beat the tar out of um, uh, the, the eunuchs uh, for fun. He, you know, became a little spoiled kid. He was the emperor. You know, he's basically, he was basically Cusco from The Emperor's New Groove. uh, For all you (laughs) millennials out there. Um, Another great movie, by the way. Underrated. Anyway, but that's basically the best way I can describe Puyi, uh, to put a face on him. Um, But anyway, Puyi reigns, and when I mean reigns, I mean, I don't really think he makes many decisions. Um, But eventually 1911 comes around. 1911, the military of China and um, the people are done. They've had enough of this crap. They want to change the government from a uh, dynasty, from an empire um, to more of a democracy. Um, so they, there's a rebellion. There's a, then they take over, and they basically come to the Forbidden City after they've basically taken the entire country. And they basically say to the people, obviously not to Puyi because Puyi is a kid at the time. They basically say to the leadership uh, of the Forbidden City, you know, the people who are actually adults running in the place, basically say, okay, we're not like, we'll let you live and we'll even let Puyi live, but like, you have to keep him in the Forbidden City the rest of his life. He can't leave the Forbidden City because obviously there were some people that supported the dynasty, um, and. There were loyalists, obviously, and seeing Puyi, just seeing his presence, letting him, the fact, if they let him walk around and be a normal person, it could give them a little bit of hope that they could have a rebellion. So they kept him inside the Forbidden City, kind of as a pet, in a way. I mean, it was a sign of, yeah, this new China has taken over and we're more powerful than the Emperor, so don't try to, you know, stage a rebellion. And so this new emperor, this new government, uh, takes over. Puyi has no idea what the heck's going on. They basically still tell him, "Yeah, you're the emperor, and whatever." He's basically a puppet. I mean, he does nothing. He's whatever the emperor. He has the title, but nothing else. He has no power. Um, so he's in the Forbidden City, and they basically tell him, "You can't leave." And this is the sad part too, because he couldn't even see his mom. And later down the line, I mean, to to avoid from going into an even longer story, he his mom does pass away, and he's not even allowed to. To go to her funeral Which is Outside Of the Forbidden City I that's That's truly sad That's the one sad thing that was One of many sad things About this poor guy Puyi I mean he just He didn't ask for this life But he became He got this life And uh, I mean Seems like it did humble him He goes through a lot more Experiences than this That seems like it Made him more down to earth um, But Yeah I mean no I mean, he, he got a pretty bad deal As great as it sounds Initially And as much of a bad guy he sounds initially, you know, being a little spoiled brat. He does, it doesn't go, it all goes south very quick for this guy, and that's, this is the beginning of this. So Puyi's stuck in the Forbidden City, still thinking he's the emperor, and still confused that he can't leave the Forbidden City, and he's educated by a guy um, named Reginald Johnson. He's, you know, an intellectual um, from Britain, and he teaches him, You know, teaches him manners. And he's allowed in the Forbidden City, like, he just can't sleep over, basically. He can come in and come out. Uh, And that's kind of, he's probably one of his closest friends. uh, Because, again, everyone else is just his servant. And, yeah, and they're all trying to keep up the facade that, you know, he's he's still the leader of the country. Because at this point, he's starting to realize, oh, wow, I am the emperor. It's more than just, oh, this is fun, I'm a little kid. He's now, like, kind of gaining some more, like, understanding, oh, I'm the emperor. Which is kind of funny, because the fact, they probably could have just said, like, they didn't even have to tell him he was the emperor. When he was little he probably would have forgotten it maybe I don't know but in any case he now knows he definitely without shadow of a doubt he thinks he's the emperor even though he's not which is a very ironic twist at this point so the new leader of the country has taken over um, his name is uh, uh, Dr. Sun Yat-sen Dr. Sen um, it, it, you know he, lead, he leads the nation uh, this new China I guess um, for a couple more years um, still allowing Puyi to stay in there Uh, it's going, relatively speaking, it's going fine. Uh, Eventually he's, Dr. Sen is no longer in power, and there's a new leader, his name is Chiang Kai-shek. Chiang Kai-shek stays in power all the way up until um, World War II. Now, um, he was on the Allies uh, side, Chiang Kai-shek was with the United States, and and the USSR, and uh, the UK, and France, and canada and so on he was on the Kai shek and china were on the allied side of the war uh but shankai-shek is very like he's not as chill i guess as dr sen was Kai shek is super anti puyi because he doesn't want puyi to even be in the country he basically said you we're not going to he basically says i don't want to even him in the forbidden city because the fact that he's even whatever quote unquote in power even though he's really not can even get some people to um to want him Maybe, you know, stage a rebellion and reinstate him, which he does. Uh, there is a warlord who, uh, his name is escaping me, but he basically, you know, stages a quick rebellion for a couple days, like a week or a little over, and reinstates Puyi, but not for not that long. And then they, they quickly crush it. So, yeah, Chiang Kai shek, no doubt, notices stuff like this. And he's like, yeah, no, we're not we're not taking any more chances. Once again, Chiang Kai shek basically gives them an ultimatum and says, okay, we're, this time, like, you have to leave. You have to get out of China. I don't care where you go. Just leave, or we'll kill you. But he does give them the chance to leave, which is, you know, he doesn't just wipe them out. So once again, the leadership of China, in this case, Chiang Kai-shek, you know, puts another limitation on Puyi. This time he's kicking them out. They literally come into the path to the Forbidden City and we're like, you're out, you've been evicted, you're done. And at this point, Puyi's realized, yeah, he's no longer emperor. And again, he's not like a teenager at this point. This is like the 1920s. This is the unfortunate part because he's now, he now thinks he's the emperor and his whole world comes crashing down. And he goes from hero in his own mind, in reality not really, to zero very quickly. In reality, he was never really anything at all, which is the really it was the sad part about it, because he was kind of living a lie for really long, for his whole life. Um, so he gets kicked out. It's Chiang Kai-shek is in power. No more emperor. I mean, there's no more chances of him being you know becoming the leader of China anymore, or so they think. So, World War II rolls around. For the past, you know, years and years and years and years, who um, he's kind of living in obscurity. You know, he's, he's not... Uh, he's a nobody. And the... One of the... When World War Two starts, the three, you know, there's the Allies, which is, you know, like I said, um, mainly consists of the United States, the UK, the USSR, and then other countries such as France, China, uh, led by Chiang Kai-shek. Uh, Canada, and many others were on the allied side, uh, or most people would just usually make it easy, make it simple for people who know, don't really know about World War II. They were the good guys, quote-unquote. And then there was the Axis powers, which were led by Nazi Germany under Hitler, and then Italy, led by a uh, guy, Benito Mussolini, and then also Japan, led by uh, Emperor Hirohito. Now, and many other countries, of course, as well, but they were, you know, quote-unquote, the bad guys. I mean, if you didn't <laughs> already know, I mean... Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're in an allied group with Hitler, yeah, you're you're definitely a bad guy. And Japan was and Italy were both definitely bad guys. Japan um uh, they were very brutal during World War II. Super over the top. We might get into that someday. Uh I mean, ironically now they're our friends, but it got to the point where we had to drop two nukes on Japan just to stop the war. Uh they were vicious. They did not care. They would go to the end. Um they would fight to the end, the bitter end. Uh, And they were brutal. They did not care. And uh, Emperor Hirohito, one of his major targets to conquer during World War II, was um, China. And he does conquer a little bit of China. He never conquers the whole thing. I mean, he conquers major parts of it, and he does he commits a lot, uh, numerous atrocities over the time that he is trying to take China. But he does conquer a piece. One of the pieces that he large chunks of China that he does take is a location known as Manchuria. Now, Manchuria is in northern China. It's a region, and interestingly enough, the last dynasty, if you remember Puyi, who was the last emperor of that of that last uh, Chinese dynasty, was. was a Manchurian dynasty. They were from Manchuria. You know, the other way of, you know, the Qing dynasty, but they were also, you know, another nickname for them was the Manchu dynasty because they were from Manchuria. That's where the dynasty was from. So, they, when you're kind of taking over, when when this is mass conquest, a lot of times these, um, especially during World War II, the major powers kind of institute puppet leaders, people that they can just control, um, they were leaders, quote unquote. Once again, they had title, but no power, really. And basically, they have Manchuria, which uh is now uh under you know control of Japan, of course, but they need a leader, they need someone, you know, as a figurehead, so to speak. So the Emperor Hirohito approaches Puyi, who is now once again a nobody, and he says, Hey, you could be an emperor again. And Puyi's like, Cool, sounds like a plan. And they put him as the emperor of Manchuria. And now he is kind of like an emperor. Uh, he's more of a public emperor, I guess you could say at this point. Once again, but this is probably even worse now because Emperor Hirohito has complete control over him. He has no decision making. And make it even worse, Emperor Hirohito in Japan, um, they actually uh, get, uh, not Puyi, but a lot of Manchuria including a lot of the government of Manchuria, and that goes as far as Puyi's wife. They actually got them addicted to opioids, um, which is really insane. But Japan, Japan, I mean, was really brutal back then. They, they put people on leashes, and they did not let go. And, you know, once again, Puyi gets completely screwed. I mean... This time it's even worse, I mean I would say. He's just kind of get tossed around to, gets tossed around by, you know, person to person to just kind of, you know, puppeteer him, I guess. So then Puyi is just, it's just not it's just bad for Puyi and then finally the final nail in the coffin for this guy uh in terms of him becoming a leader at all comes at the end of World War II. The end of World War II you know, spoiler alert. If you don't know, Japan loses, and uh, Puhi is is considered a war criminal. I mean, he's 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 on the Axis side, and unfortunately, Russia and now uh, a uh, China aren't too happy with him. I mean, he's pretty much a traitor. Again, he really didn't know what he was doing entirely, but yeah, he was a traitor. And then a new country emerges. A new China. Third wave of China this time. This time it's the People's Republic of China. This China is the current China that we have today. And this China was led by a guy named Chairman Mao Zedong, or Chairman Mao for short. This guy was up there with the the hitlers and the stalins of world history this guy was a brutal dude he was a communist leader and tried to really institute real communism into china um and under the control of the new people's republic of china puyi is put in prison for pretty much a decade i believe and by the time he gets out I mean, he's a nobody once again. But by the time he does get out, well, the reason they really release him is they're like, ah, he's he's harmless now. I mean, he's done, you know, he's he's served his sentence, and that sentence was pretty much not just ten years; it was like a lifelong sentence. This guy just just couldn't catch a break. Um, and he was released from prison, and lived, uh, I believe, another like ten years or so into the 1960s, I believe, uh, and then he he passes away uh, in the 1960s. Uh, There's a movie based on his life called The Last Emperor. It's a pretty good movie, actually. Um, And, you know, rather uh, sad ending for Puyi. Puyi just was a guy that just really didn't get it. He couldn't catch a break, this poor dude. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people like that. Maybe not, like, on a grand scale like him, but there's people in the real world that kind of just get tossed over, side, you know, from person to person who just controls them. And life lessons, you know, when you dissect this moment in history... Um, don't, don't, uh, be a doormat. (laughs) Puyi kind of just, he really, he, uh, he was not prepared for any of this. I will say this. That's the unfortunate part. Can't blame him for that. But he, he, he walked himself into a lot of things. Once, I mean, once China was over, once he was kicked out of China, that should have been his out- But uh, he he couldn't let it go. He couldn't let go that he wanted to be an emperor. And unfortunately, uh, that caused him to be easily manipulated. So, uh, you know, unfortunate case. Interesting life story, though. Puyi is a very interesting figure in world history. Um, And just a very compelling story. Uh, tough life for sure, but uh, that, that that's life sometimes for people, um, and that's just that's just the nature of history, I guess. There's a lot of situations like Puyi, um, and you know, I just I thought this was a very interesting story. I remember when I first learned this uh, a few years ago, I was very interested in it. I I really enjoyed um, really enjoyed uh, just hearing about the end of. Old China and the emergence of new China, how China is today, um, and Puyi was kind of like the part of that transition period, uh, uh, you know, making China from an empire to you know the country that it is has become today. Um, yeah, China's on the rise again. You know, China keeps bouncing back. They go down, they go up, they go down, they go up. Uh, they're 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 going up right now. Um, and, yeah, so, you know, Puyi is just a, uh, uh, is, is a major part of Chinese history and a, very, and a major part of world history and a good example of uh, very unfortunate circumstances. Um, so uh, that is uh, today's episode. Uh, it was the, the life of the last emperor of China, uh, Puyi. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, this podcast. Um, and, uh, thank you once again for, uh, you know, all your support. Let's get to a hundred overall listeners. Uh, and, uh, I will see you all again in the next podcast. Thanks guys. Have a good one.